Tonight on The Unproducibles, a live reading of T.C. DeWitt's 2012 screenplay, Good Idea, Bad Idea, followed by a discussion with the cast of players. Good Idea, Bad Idea by T.C. DeWitt, based on the one-act play, Mime Sublime. Interior shithole garage apartment day. Danny, a scruffy-looking 20-something with uncombed hair, a stubbly face, and clothes that have seen more days on than in the laundry, is seated on a ready couch in a small single room that is more or less a living area. There are a couple of armchairs and the couch being held together by duct tape. There's a coffee table full of food wrappers, beer bottles, and cans. Danny has a Wii controller in hand and is playing something with very little effort. We stand him mostly and don't get a look around the place, especially the armchair to his right. As he plays, he reaches to the table without looking and grabs a beer. He tips it to the side of his mouth while still playing, but the bottle is empty. He tosses it, then switches hands. He reaches way back to a box on the floor and fiddles around inside of it until he realizes it's empty. Oh, damn it. Last one. Man, Francis better hurry his ass up. He returns to the game with a disappointed scowl. Just as he does, the door to the place slams open. Enter Francis with multiple cases of beer and bags of groceries, which are mostly snack food, chips, cookies, etc. Francis is just as lazy in appearance as Danny. His eyes are a little bloodshot, and his hair is a mess. He is chewing on a toothpick. Dude, Mom gave me 40 bucks for, like, whatever, so we're totally hooked up. (laughs) Beer? Yes, sir. (laughs) Francis grabs a beer, crosses from the kitchen to the game area. As he passes the armchair, we get a passing glimpse of a mime, bound and gagged, wide-eyed and shaking his head in the chair. Francis completely ignores this and drops the beer into Danny's lap as he passes him, opening his own beer and plops down on the left end of the couch. Danny, on the right end still playing, touches his beer, then snorts. Dude, it's warm. It's like 90 degrees outside. I walked. Who the hell wants warm-ass beer? <laughs> Tastes like piss. Francis stops mid-sip of his own brew and considers this. He shrugs. He doesn't care. They sit there for a moment. Danny intently playing the Wii and Francis watching. Francis looks past his friend and stares passively across <sighs> to the chair. He lowers his beer and swallows. Hey, Danny... Did you know there's a clown in the king's chair? Danny fails at something in the game and throws the controller in frustration. Damn it! The fucking game cheats! I swear to God it does. Like, like right right there. In the, th- in the throne, man. A clown. Danny looks at Francis angrily. Then over at the mime, who is staring with big round eyes and shaking in fright. His mouth completely covered with duct tape. <laughs> oh, that dude... <laughs> That dude's a lottery ticket, bro. <laughs> they give out clowns with mega lotto tickets now? It's creepy as hell, dude. No, Francis, this guy's gonna make us a million bucks. Holy shit, really? <laughs> like how? Like like he got a platinum visa he's gonna lend us or something? No, you dumbass, we're gonna ransom him. Like Mel Gibson? What? No, no, not like a... No, don't be a moron. Mel Gibson never ransomed nobody. 
He's just some racist dick who gets off on getting beat up or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. He ransomed his kid or something, didn't he? No, idiot. That was the fucking movie. Oh, right. Gary Sinuses was the one who ransomed. He was the ransoming dude. Damn it, dude. Spoilers. And, and then the kid peed his pants when he heard him talking in the hallway. Dude, dude. And, and Mel was all like, get off my plane. No, stop talking about goddamn ransom. You, you brought it up. I didn't bring up the movie. I brought up the concept. I don't want to kidnap a kid. We're not kidnapping a kid, Francis. Then what are we doing with this guy? <sighs> Francis, remember when we were watching The Simpsons last Wednesday? Yeah, no. Dude, come on. Grandpa was all, I'm the Limburger baby. And then we, and we laughed our asses off for like an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't know what the hell he was talking about. We just think the old bastard's funny. Well, <laughs> well, well I Googled it. And to oh. find out, he was talking about... Found that back in like like 1890 or 1980 or some shit, this dude Limburger was 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 all famous for for like flying across the ocean, and people thought he was like the total shit. Guy was like George Clooney. So 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 some other dude stole his baby. And they, they stole his baby. Hold up, hold up, dude. This is this is where it gets good. They, they like they like stole his kid, and we're all like, "You want your fucking baby back? Then give us a million fucking bucks." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the Limburger dude, who was so rich from being awesome that he just gave them the money and got his baby back. Just like that? <laughs> Easy peasy, man. Everybody's a goddamn winner. Dude, <laughs> if we had a million bucks, we'd be rolling. We, we could buy an Xbox One. Aw, uh, think bigger, Francis. <laughs> a, a car and a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, like, and like tuxedos and be all like James Bond. And we could even pay to go back to school. Yeah, what? what, what? No, no, dude. We don't, we don't need no school. You think Scrooge McDuck or the Monopoly dude or, or Bill Gates ever went to school? I mean, they're rich, man. They don't need school. That's what money gets you. Right, 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 right. Okay, we're we're gonna be a couple Uncle Moneybags. Screw school! Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah! And that, my friend, is what Bozo here is for. We're gonna ransom his squeaky ass for a million cool and be rolling on dubs by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the mind begins struggling and trying to get free. Muffled screams coming from behind the table. I, I think he wants something. Ah, screw him! I want to play Mario Kart. I don't know, Danny. It looks like it looks like he's got a pee or something. Huh? Danny glares at the mime. Uh, you gotta pee or something? The mime freezes a moment, shrugs, and begins nodding profusely. <laughs> Danny shoves the controller into Francis's oh. chest, okay. reaches over and grabs the edge of the duct tape on the mime's face and yanks it off. <laughs> Damn it! Hey, uh, what do you want? Jesus! I had a goatee a second ago, you shit! You did? Danny looks at the tape. I'm exaggerating, you dickhead. Damn it, that hurts. Hey, shut up. Shut up. Now tell me, what, what are you trying to tell us? Is he, is he supposed to shut up, or is he supposed to tell you what he wants? Oh, shut up, Francis. I'm working here, okay? What do you want, dude? Help! I've been kidnapped by two freaking morons. Help! Hey, hey, shut your damn mouth, you Shh. asshole. Dude. Help! In here! Dude! In here! One pissed off clown. He's not a clown, dipshit. He's got goddamn mime. Oh, oh, oh. I... Hey, I thought mimes didn't talk. Hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what the hell? Hey, 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 you stupid. Hey, you're not supposed to talk. You want to lose your mime card or whatever? I'm not a goddamn mime. Well, then maybe you shouldn't dress like one. People are going to think you are. What do you mean you're not a mime? I saw you in the park acting all mime. Help! Dude, my mom's going to hear him. Hey, mimes don't talk. Shut up. Danny grabs the duct tape and smacks it back on the mime's mouth as he struggles in the chair. Shit. I don't think he likes you very much. What? 
Ah, screw that. He doesn't even know me. He can't... How can he not like me? <laughs> yeah, go to hell, my asshole. Don't judge me just because I'm poor and you're some rich dick. Yeah, dick. I got you, Danny. Yeah, that's why you're my boy. <laughs> now, now maybe we better... Uh, maybe we better knock his ass out so he doesn't give us away. Oh. Danny picks up an empty beer bottle and weighs it in his hand. Dude, isn't it gonna hurt? Well, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> we gotta knock him out. Yeah, but that's really gonna hurt. Danny looks at the bottle, frowns, and then boinks the side of his own little head. Ow! That would hurt! Okay, maybe we should just put a pillow over his head or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As they look for the pillow, the mime finally relents and starts weeping a little in distress. His head hangs low, and he looks like he's just given up. The mime sobs. Francis frowns. Aw, oh, dude. There's nothing sadder than a sad clown. All right, all right, all right. Just, just, just don't start screaming like an idiot again, all right? Before the mime can answer, Danny yanks the tape off again. Yeah, that shit hurts! Oh, quit your bitching. It can't hurt that bad. Oh, yeah? You try it, asshole. Danny glares at the mime. Then at the tape. Hmm. Smash cut. A moment later, Danny and Francis both have tape on their mouths with a hmm. nod of one, mm-hmm. two, three. Mm-hmm. They yank it off. I think I lost part of my lip in that shit. Uh, no, no, your lips are fine. I was being facetious. Damn, nice word. I know, we're with friends. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right, now let's get some shit straight, clown. I, I thought he was a mime. Fine, mime, listen up, okay? I'm not a mime, well, all right? Oh, Jesus Christ, what the hell are you then? Just, I'm just a pledge, okay? This is just a rush thing. I'm not a damn mime. I don't got any money. I'm just, I'm just a dude who wants to be in some lame-ass frat who can spend college drunk and banging sorority girls, all right? Is that so freaking wrong? I'm not a mime, okay? I'm just some dude. Danny stands there motionless, his finger aimed at the mime. Francis looks from one to the other. Danny finally speaks. Bullshit. Whatever. Don't believe me. I don't even care anymore. Just... Just don't murder me. Dude! Kill you! What? What the hell, man? Who's anything about killing yeah. you? Oh my god, I'm just... I, I'm just stunned here. What, what kind of what kind of dicks do you think we are? Just kill my you? Whole day, I, I, Jeez! How, how would we even get any money if, if, oh. for you if you were dead, okay? Oh. My, the, the hell is wrong with you, Murder. okay? Danny and Francis plop down on the couch in exhaustion by the mere mention of murder. Francis grabs a bag of cheese balls and begins eating them while staring into the mid-distance, stunned. Danny runs his temples. The mime begins to subtly work on his restraint. Shit. 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 Dude, what the hell was your plan anyway? Why kidnap me? Because you're a goddamn rock star, moron. What? Dude, I see the way people act around mimes. I seen your boys down by Navy Pier. People can hardly approach. They're so stunned by the awesome shit that you do. That whole that whole leaning on nothing thing. Oh god, yeah, that thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or the rope thing. I mean, shit, man. I figured you were all loaded. You know, like like bigger than like like Brad Pitt or some shit. Yeah, dude, I can see that. Hold up. Are are you too retarded? Huh? I don't, I don't think so. People hate. Mimes. Hate. They're like the worst clown you can get. Dude. Yeah, I hate clowns. That's why people don't get near them. It's not like they're in awe. They're like unawed. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, way to go, geniuses. Huh. Hey, shut up. Your point's proven, dude. Jeez. 
Mimes are annoying. Danny grabs the bake of cheese balls and throws one at the mime in annoyance. The mime catches it perfectly in his mouth. Dude, it was red. <laughs> it was a fluke. He throws another. The oh. mime catches it perfectly. Awesome. <laughs> it's not that hard. Go, go ahead. Try it. Smash cut. A moment later, Danny and Francis throw cheese balls at one another and miss a bunch of times. The mime coaches them from the couch while sitting, still, subtly working his restraints. Uh, no, no, no. Tilt back. Tilt your back. Yeah. You see, you're trying too hard, all right? Just, no, no. Ready. Over, Ready. over. Ready. All right, watch all, Watch it in. Seriously, guys, you guys suck. Danny throws a whole handful at Francis, and he catches one. He leaps up and taunts the other. Yeah, suck it! Boom! Danny punches Francis in the eye. Francis winces, and Danny pouts. The hell are we supposed to do? Well, if we keep practicing, I'm sure we'll get one. I mean, you can put more of an arc on it. Not with the damn cheese balls. I mean, with Krusty the Clown over here. Mine. Whatever! God, you know, you know whose fault this is? Grandpa goddamn Simpson and his retarded-ass Limburger story. Yeah. Damn it! That's why I like South Park. Shit, Family Guy is way better than the, both those dumbass shows. Uh, no way! <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, fine, whatever. I, uh, kind of like Bob's Burgers. Oh, shut up. up! Damn it! What should we do? I don't know. Look, guys. Any ideas, Mime Guy? Hey, okay. No harm done. Let's just pretend none of this ever happened. You just let me go. Shit. Drive me in the middle of nowhere. Leave me in the road. I don't, I don't even care. Just, just let me go. We're not letting you go anywhere. Well, I'm not going to stay here and keep circle jerking with you two idiots. <laughs> you will if I say so. You know, you know. technically, I, I don't think we can circle jerk. It, it'd be more like a triangle jerk. Or I, I guess if we stood in a line, then we'd make it like a line jerk, but not a circle. Francis, shut the hell up. You, you know what? I'm done. I'm. With a final grunt, the mime gets his hands free. I'm out of here. Oh, dude, he's free. How'd you do that? Your buddy ties knots like a child. It wasn't exactly hard. <laughs> what? Dude, I was in the goddamn Boy Scouts ass hat. I tied knots like a boss. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> Look how easy I got it. Once I even tried. Danny stands sharply and shoves the mime back in the chair. He pulls the rope up around the mime and reties him. Danny sits back down and points. Go ahead. Do it again, Houdini. Francis starts eating the cheese balls again like he's watching a show. The mime cocks an eyebrow, twists a moment, and then brings both hands up. Francis erupts with a pop. Oh, oh, man, look at that. <laughs> oh, damn. Leading on into this little shit and escape tricks. You're the best mime ever, man. What the hell? Dude, you're just, you're just doing it all wrong. <sighs> Here, look, it's not that hard. My whole not tying life is a lie. Oh, come on, come on. Don't let it get to you. Let me show you. Get off. Oh, oh dude, me too. All right. Here, come here. Here's enough rope. Turn around. Smash I'll show cut. Okay. A moment later, Danny and Francis are back to back on the couch tied together. Francis is smiling, waiting for his signal. Danny looks determined. All right. You guys ready? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, all right. <clears throat> okay. Three, two. The two morons wait with bated breath for the final number, but it doesn't come. They turn and look to the mime, but he's gone. The door swinging shut. Danny's mouth falls open. Go! Get Francis out. makes a jerk out of his arms, and the two of them topple right over and onto the floor. Francis struggles for a moment, then looks around. Hey, Danny. What, Francis? I, I don't think he's coming back. God damn mimes.
All right, thank you everyone for listening to that dramatic reading of Good Idea, Bad Idea. It was so, dramatic. I was uh, going to say, yes. is it dramatic or <laughs> is it more comedically dramatic? Was, was, it, was it dramatic that it was so good? Yeah, oh, yes. So. It wasn't a reading for me. I had memorized all my Very notes, good. So. You're the only one that did. Yeah, the rest um, of us had actual like handwritten just, um, scripts. Narrated what was happening in front of me. Because oh, we, we, yeah, because we, we basically were acting it out. And we were. I we bruised on my arm to prove it. Yeah, I, might, I may or may not have punched TCA, and, I, and I'm pretty sure you could probably hear hear me going, oh my god, I don't have a goatee anymore. Uh, before, we, before we proceed, let's just go around the room here. Uh, well, first I will say that the, this is the second portion of the podcast where we will do some script analysis and just kind of discuss what we just performed. So uh, let's just go around the room starting and uh, you know, say your name and what you just did. I'm Jessica and I was the narrator of this Thing. <laughs> She'll be continuing to narrate the second half I of the podcast. I continue to speak in this voice. I'm reading, I mean, My watching life. and narrating <laughs> what's happening. Um, go ahead. I am Chris, and I played the uh, sort of mime. <laughs> the mime. All right. Good question. Is it actually a mime? He's just a dude. He's just a dude. He explained everything. <laughs> I am Jeff. I played Danny. That's right. And uh, over here in the peanut gallery... Oh yeah, I'm Chad. I was just observing. <laughs> you, had a, you had a soft chuckle. Uh, you did chuckle. <laughs> I, was, I was trying not to laugh really hard. I wanted you to, like, you've been perfectly okay for you to react and, and oh, anyway. Executive producer Chad. <laughs> uh, and I'm TC DeWitt. I played Francis and I wrote this. A uh, little backstory on the script here. This is a, this is, I wrote this in 2012 um, and it was inspired by a short play a 10-minute play called Mime Sublime uh, that had had like a similar premise. It was like kidnapping a mime who wasn't a mime. And it was written by a girl in my screen, or my stage writing class in like 2008. Yes, it's a story about a girl, but I had no interest in her whatsoever. <laughs> I don't believe it. Uh, it was written by someone in my, in my playwriting class who was this, she's a phenomenal writer. And no one remembers her name, not even the professor. So, I, for the record, this was based on her work. Mime Sublime was the title of the thing, and I don't know... Do you remember I, the title of her play, but not her name? Not her name. She was just this very quiet, very, very talented writer, and her writing spoke for herself. She didn't do much speaking. So, uh, if you're out there, please contact me. I was going to say, I'm curious to know what she's doing, then. That'd be awesome to yeah. know. <laughs> like, by the way, hi. She's a mime. Yeah, she's a mime. <laughs> so, so, we, she was so, we won't be hearing Yeah, she contacts. You, but it's just a blank email. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> Seems like there's walls on this email. I, I can't tell. Is there a rope? Yeah, the the idea always stuck with me, and uh, I always and it kind of returned to me when I was doing some practice screenplays and whatnot, and then so I adapted just that. That what I could remember into this. This certainly is not what she wrote, but it's you know based on her original idea. So definitely credit where credit is due. You uh, kept the swearing in, and then you wrote everything. That was part of. That was the only thing that you remember from her her draft. Is that I, it? I, no, oddly <laughs> enough, I, uh, to further it, I did write it as a practice script for a friend who I had done relish for, which you can see on firmamentfilms.com. When I did that, he Stephen had added a bunch of cursing into it. So when I did this script, thinking he would want to do it, I was like, I'm going to decide where the cursing. Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Since there it's anyway. Be there. Yep. Um, so, I guess uh, just general reactions. How do you guys feel about this? Um, uh, Chad, I guess you'd be the first one to ask. If uh, how, what did you think? Um, I liked it. I uh, I like how it's it's especially weird sometimes with scripts where there can be too many action lines or like Jess reading what's going on could interrupt the flow of doing because this is essentially a table read. Yes. Yes. Um, 
I didn't feel was interrupted in any way. Like there were the breaks, and I like how you said like, "Oh, smash cut here. We're gonna go. We're gonna move in time, and we're gonna go here." That makes sense. Um, I loved it. It was funny. <laughs> uh, I had I had uh, what was it? It was the Xbox One joke. Buy an Xbox like, One. Oh, we'll buy an Xbox One. No, think bigger. I'm like, should have been like, I want to buy an Xbox 360. No, no, think bigger. Xbox One. And I'm like, I would have wrote it that way. But, right. <laughs> but no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I should I should have been more vocal with me laughing because really I was just I was trying to stay away, but at the same time be a part of it and. Uh, Every time something hit me, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. At least it was a, a, a funny. You know? I mean, it isn't intended to be a comedy. And I, I, I like, uh, I like the interaction between the two characters. I think your your best work for me, anyways, is always the interaction between two characters. Like I always love when you do that. So I, I wasn't disappointed. Thank you very much. Um, how about uh, you guys over here? What uh, I mean, general reactions. Chris, you haven't done a performance piece in quite some time. Since you landed in uh, geese poop. Geese poop, yes. <laughs> which, which I nailed. Okay? Yeah, I nailed that moment. Um, yeah, I haven't done any kind of like reading or acting in quite a while. I thought the choice of the character that you picked for me, TC, was probably a good one because the other two characters have so much rapport and life mm-hmm. that the mime shouldn't come out on top of that. The mime should be a, a secondary character to that. And with the, the limited background I have in what I'm doing, I thought if I could play this character with, with some life but not try to make it so big that I'm attempting to steal the show, which is not in my wheelhouse anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this is a good, this is a good character. So I, I like playing it that he had his moments and you know he really was the smartest one in the room. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to be quirky weird to get his character mm-hmm. across. And outside of that character, I really enjoyed the interaction between the other two characters who you know if, if you could tell that you guys liked being here and talking to each other in that way and it, it carried <laughs> I liked it uh, Jeff did you uh, you approached you with a little bit of uh, a little bit of a goomba because he's such an asshole he's such an asshole and for whatever reason when I read the original script in my head the voice that came out was Mark Wahlberg now I cannot do a Mark Wahlberg because he's because he's, he's Mark he's Mark Wahlberg he's Marky Mark I'm not even one of the funky bunch. I'm one of like the funkiers, like the ones that are like the following of the funky bunch. In fact, no. But at um, least say how to your mother for I will say. It. I do uh, think there's an interesting thing that to be taken away when you when you do get a script in hand, mm-hmm. when an actor, when when a direct, when a producer, Chad and, and Chris here are both producers, when you look at a script, you interpret it a certain way. And actors do make choices right off the bat about how they're going to read the character, how you bring the character you bring it to life more than what's on the page. Um, so making a character choice to make him that way was great. You know, and for whatever reason, like it was just it was because like I heard like it was it was like I have no problem swearing. And in my head I'm like, the swearing, I'm like, that sounds just the way like the the frequency that he is swearing <laughs> and like, like a it's, New Jersey ass. Yeah, it does. It just kinda sounds like a guy's like, hey, I don't care what you're talking about. Fuck you. Fuck what you're doing, but you're an asshole. Like you for know, some, I, I didn't hear New Jersey. I, uh, I, I kept losing it. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, not that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. What, what Halfway I was, through, what I I was hearing was a guy who grew up in Boston and moved to LA and is like halfway in between those two worlds. Is not quite uh could not has not completely lost his accent. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's, it's still, still there every it's once in a still while. There, but he's almost on. as dumb as everybody else around. Oh yeah, totally so it just makes you it makes him unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked. Uh, what were the characters in the 
Bugs Bunny cartoons where it was the two gangsters, the Sean one and the really big right, one. right. That was like a baby, uh, baby Bugsy face. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's that was you too. <laughs> and you were Bugsy. Which one did you go to? I, I know. I, so that that would mean that I'm like the I'm like I'm basically the Joe Pesci. Yeah. And oh. you are the you are the uh, the Daniel Stern. You're, you're of the, the dumb here. one. He's the dumber one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like if I'm the idiot, you are just. Barely functioning then at that point, right? But like, he's always the one to like always remind you, mind. Yeah. Mind. yeah. Like, every time. <laughs> that's that's why there's similarity yeah. in character, because the yeah. big dumb Pinky. guy, although he's an idiot, he's actually super smart. Yep. And so the main protagonist is the one that well, he's just an idiot. I'm never gonna listen to him. Yep. He looks up to me. He looks up to me. I'm the leader of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm the one that's, that's in charge of it. And that's what I really liked about this script, is you guys had that uh, connection. I like that. See, I, I like I I like I like I'm not trying to skip you by all means. You're, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just hold, hold your thought. thought. Hold your thought for a second. Let me let me talk for 25 minutes, and then when we wrap it up, then you can you can come on. So uh, <laughs> hey, she interrupted us the entire stream. She, she kept doing it. We had a flow going, yeah, yeah, and, and then suddenly uh, the narrator's talking. <laughs> no, like I like I I personally like what why I, I liked the script was because I kind of going back to what Chad was saying. Like I like it when there's quick lines quick back and forth between characters and it's mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I like trying to do in the scripts that I've written and the characters I like to create I like that banter boom 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 yeah boom, boom. and the thing that sucks is like I I flopped a couple of times yeah. of that of the timing for hey, it in my head I'm, I'm like oh no 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 if you can't get the first reading right the first time you're out I'm a perfectionist the whole the whole idea with with this podcast in itself is to do something that's like theater more than it is like like pr- fully produced film. Yeah, there there was a moment where I directed a little bit in the middle, which won't even make it into the final cut. But it was, and that's that's just me unable to like I I have to we have to get it right. It's that writer slash director moment where I'm like, okay, you just need a little bit of guidance here to get this. Yeah. And it really is because, and I always call it machine gun dialogue. I get a lot of uh, there's a cinematographer we've all worked with a few times, John Klein, and every time I hand him a script, it's always three pages long, three pages longer than he thinks it should be. And I always tell him, no, trust me, this could, we have to do a thirty second commercial. Why'd you hand me two pages? It's like John, trust me, if you do it with the right timing. It'll be thirty seconds if we if we do these ten pages. It will be seven minutes long. Trust me. It's because I like that machine gun dialogue, as I yeah. say. <laughs> Plus, it makes it uh, rewatchable to like. Oh man, I missed this joke, this joke, this joke, and to go back. I was laughing yeah. generally. <laughs> right, right. Oh, there's there's plenty of like uh, Edgar Wright and um, uh, like the Christopher Guest movies mm-hmm. where you have to go back and then you catch the jokes you missed the first few times. So we just Spinal Tap was brought up just uh, between the break or during the break, and that's one of those movies that every time I see it, probably seen it five six times. There's a whole new something I never noticed before. That's that's hilarious. So, uh, Jessica, would you any thoughts on the script? Yeah, I like. If I could interrupt, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm interrupting myself. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Uh, liked it? No, uh, I did like it, you and I like. No, 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 I did. I did like it, and it was fun being the narrator. I felt like I was reading my kids a bedtime story, which I know obviously the content and the words weren't there, but you know, so in my perfect head, bedtime story for children. But when I would read stories, you know, I would try to. To read, you know, to paint a picture, to paint a picture, yeah, and then you know, so then when the characters spoke, that's what was would go in my head when I'd read a book. So I, I you know, I tried to. 
And also, you listened to a lot of audiobooks, so were you trying to channel something? I did. There were some things. I, I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, <laughs> and I, I knew I wasn't a character voice, per se. Mm-hmm. But no, you. you, you but trying to very picture. clearly enunciate things and not to get very fast, like the duct tape. I wanted to be very duct clear. Tape. That was duct tape, <laughs> tape and not duct tape. And, you know, so I did. I did try to be clear and enunciate and and not mess up the rhythm that was going on. Could you <laughs> argue though that her role is a character in oh, something yeah. like this? Well, when you're doing audio, for sure. In, in but it, it, she, you're kind of representing in and to discuss how a script goes from page to screen. Mm-hmm. And the interpretation of page to screen, it's it's reading, it's really reading the direction. She's the audience avatar. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're I'm you're Lily. I'm Lily. You are yeah. Lily. <laughs> I I have I have I prefer scripts. I don't I write them this way, and I like reading scripts this way that have a lot of descriptive. Like colorful adjectives, adverbs, and there are people who hate that because a lot of like uh, high-profile directors, when they get a script finally handed to them from some script reader, they will have their script reader black out, redact all the directions, so it's just the dialogue. And I feel like that is the that that you lose something from the writer's vision to the producer vision. Well, and we could see you standing up and sitting down and hitting each other and fighting. We could see all that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, if we didn't know you were playing the Wii. Yeah. And we didn't know that we were throwing cheese balls. That yeah. doesn't make none of it makes sense right. in this format. So absolutely we need to that piece. Yeah. And by the way, the cheese balls was my favorite. <laughs> you know, when we talk about what do you see in your head, like I just picture this on stage and like one of those big exactly yeah, two gallon empty Costco. at the end of it. Like and this is one of those scenes that you could probably you could probably play it out with no, no dialogue for ten minutes, and the audience yep. would love it. You just keep trying, and you know the mind. And just getting more and more frustrated. Just yeah, the whole, like, right. Handful of them are just chucking them at your face. Yeah. And then you know, from that point on, everyone's crunching on them as they're walking <laughs> on stage. I mean, I just see that happening. Yeah, that yeah, scene. yeah. The mind's getting fed finally. Yeah, <laughs> right. Of course, you you looked like you're gonna make a count. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say I was a little disappointed that Jess didn't um, use her Morgan Freeman voice <laughs> really, to narrate. Yeah, I really thought the script called for it. I like the blend of uh, the action notes with you guys, especially with the tape rip. We're just like three or one, mm-hmm. two, and you guys are ripped. <laughs> like it, it blended perfectly. I, yeah, I've, I've even attempted to like roll the hand off to see if the, how, yeah, might, yeah. might that mimic, might that carry. I don't know if it does yeah. or doesn't, but um, and obviously in audio, it's different than if you're physically doing it. But I, I wonder about translating script action. Some because I feel like I, I'm always impressed by physical comedians, like physical kind of like Jim Carrey. You know that they just say cut loose and do what you do. But uh, there are there are certain actions that are gags too that I, I wonder what was in the script for that was the gag and what came to life on the screen. And in comedy, I would imagine it's very clearly the, the physical gags are there. Um, I think of uh, like um, American Wedding. I'm going to just stab that. Or American Pie. When he, he fucks like, the pie. Yep. Like that is, that is certain. Well, American Wedding is the fourth one. Oh. Yeah. Didn't anyway. Um, uh, the third one. Sorry. The, didn't want the comment section lighting up because I have misquoted. Say it both ways and edited it. No. It surely said, you know, Eugene Levy, the dad, walks in and Jim is fucking up high on the table. Yep. Like, But. Then uh, yeah, maybe like more like an action script where what's what is written on the page and what is created by the production. 
Um, like yeah, the Battle of Helm's Deep in the script for Two Towers says, and then they battle. And you get 35 minutes. Say, that's a good half hour of the movie. <laughs> but right the there. script just says, and then they battle. Wow. Like, it's amazing. It's it's just a... No, total tangent, probably not really relevant to this, but I would be curious to see what kind of pre-production goes into that moment. Like, who did they hand that off to and go, okay, like, we're off script here. Conceptualize this. Yeah. Figure out You've got 20 minutes, means. create a battle. Yes. Yes. Let's just go. Gonna go down a sled down the stairs, shoot 15 orcs <laughs> in the face. Good idea. Double somersault. Because that eventually has to be scripted. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, 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 okay. So there's, there's apparently he's drunk too. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so apparently he's, there's a bunch of them. There's and the little one, the little one, who's the little one? Who's the little one? Who's the little one? Not the hobby. He the says, hobby. toss me. He says, toss him. <laughs> and he does. Oh, slap. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Jackson, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> slap. Um, so, so that's just something that I was curious about. That I wonder how it, it's the producer's prerogative, for the director's prerogative, to translate from script to screen. Now, I will say that this script has been produced. I know our first episode of The Unproducibles, we chose a <gasps> produced script. What? The crowd guest. I, I am out. Um, the, the final product isn't going to be available for quite some time, so <laughs> it's it's perfectly fine for us to an- analyze it as is. But Which studio? Uh, I think it's called TSL Productions. Oh. Yes. Um, internet guys. Internet yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or TLS. <laughs> Anyhow, the, uh, being able to step back and watch the interpretation of producer-director of the script and to be able to zip my mouth shut it's you know it's a it's an interesting challenge to let something go and watch it be envisioned now uh chad you you've you've had plenty of scripts handed to you and then you get to start that producer's gears turning of like logistics what's going to happen who are we going to do oftentimes do you consider if i cast this person i know that they're going to make really dynamic choices or like, I'm just wondering if that's ever been an instance with you. Like, if you were handed this script, would you start thinking, oh, you know what actor could bring bring this script from here to here? Like, does that ever cross your mind? Um, sometimes really it depends on the project. Mark Wahlberg. I, uh, did you ever think, Mark Wahlberg, perfect person for this character? <laughs> or would it be better if it was Christopher Walken? <laughs> So, so go ahead. So um, I, uh, <laughs> so close. In, in, in many... I'm so tired right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'll do it this way. Okay. When we've written the 48s, Chris has been... Chris, uh, you've produced seven 48s now. Yeah. Seven or eight. Wow. And, and it often relies, if not immediately relies, ends up on you to start... You ask us right away. Like, okay, who are we casting in this? Who's getting what part? Uh, for, for example, like the noise... <laughs> I wrote that part for someone. You came in the room and said, "No, you're doing." It. Like you made that producer call. So when you've you've experienced a lot of scripts I've written, and I certainly don't want this to be all about me, but you're handed a script, the cab one. Let's talk about Klein and Graham's script. Mm-hmm. Did you start thinking, okay, the director and who's making these choices needs to think about these actors because these are the ones that'll interpret this the best way possible. No, not at all. You never think of that? Uh, it's not that I never think of it. Uh, the part of the thing about the 48s is that's so immediate. Uh, as a producer, I look at a script and I start thinking about what's the director going to want here? Mm-hmm. How can I start to think about what direction they're going to want to go in? Mm-hmm. And how will I either support that or coddle the idea of going against What them? tools do I need to make your job easier? Yeah, because it, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's... Um, 
it's interesting to play against the director and challenge them in a different direction and you know light an idea. Mm-hmm. A lot of times with a forty-eight, though, it's like, how do you make somebody comfortable immediately? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to go because I want people. I don't want people scrambling in a shortened time frame, but over a long haul, yeah, yeah. I challenge a little bit. Do you often do you often think about how a script is being translated from that initial you heard it like the pitch and then seen it executed? Like if uh, this script right here, right now, if we it's started, it could be a forty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> it could. It I mean, could. Uh, do you do you start thinking like okay, look, like we couldn't accomplish that. That wasn't funny. Uh, maybe we should change. We got to figure out a way to accomplish these these beats. Um, Does your producer brain think? My, about my producer brain in that is going to be thinking about the supplementary pieces as opposed to the main pieces because I'm going to trust the trust the director and the actors to pull everything they can out of it. But mm-hmm. if I think something isn't necessarily as strong as it might be, my producer brain is going to be thinking about how do you enhance it from the outside? How do we get a really killer location? How do we empower some of the artists who are doing set design and lighting to up their game? So something like this, which was Scheitel apartment. Scheitel. Scheitel. Uh, you would you would start thinking about okay how can we make this look as cool as possible yeah how can we bring people into this room and have them go whoa yeah. and well and know exactly like oh I know where I am totally like yeah. I get it and part of the producer's job like the producer isn't the overall like I am the art direction I pick the actors like if you have that type of producer you're not going to get anything done yeah yeah um but part of the producer's job is to get the right people in there so it's my job or Chris's job to be like. Okay, I know what a shithole apartment looks like because I could just go back five years, <laughs> but I don't know how to dress it like one. So, hey, uh, person Y, set deck Y, can you do this and maybe talk to the director too? Maybe we'll bounce some notes. Okay, you go. It's mm. it's all about delegating. And as far as going back to your original question about the right actors, really, me personally, I rely on my director mm-hmm. um, because they're going to be the one that has to pull the performance out of them, and I don't want to give them somebody that they don't like. Isn't going to do it. Now, if, if it comes down to a choice or a, a situation where the director's like, I can't choose between one or the other, I'll be the breaking vote. I'm fine with that, but... Really, the way I like to work is I trust my director. I wouldn't mm-hmm. pick that director if I didn't trust them. I get you. So I look at I look at that and I start thinking about okay, we need a really crappy apartment, but we need it big enough to get an entire crew into. <laughs> so how are we going to find something that's um, has character but can fit a lot of people comfortably? Has decent bathrooms, gives us the opportunity to get food in there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's finding that killer location that makes sense for everybody to work. And just like Chad said, so much of the rest of that. I'm just going to leave it out to the, to the people who do the things. <laughs> First thing I think of before even that... What can I get for free? Yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing I always think Like, of. do we already have a tub of cheese balls? <laughs> or can we use this bag of Cheetos? Mm. And them in little balls. <laughs> yeah, balls. script rewrite. Uh, Make them grapes. Make them grapes. So, so yeah. uh, we're going to use Nilla wafers instead of cheese balls because they fly better. Is that still funny? It's still funny, right? Still it's funny. still funny. Yeah. We'll go so, with that. So, Jeff, you've written uh, scripts. You've written radio dramas. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do you ever feel like you... Have you ever handed off a, a script for someone we'll stick with like comedy like this have you ever handed it off to someone to interpret like your Midnight Sleuth podcast which mm-hmm. is available at ghosthand.net I'm grabbing for you indeed <laughs> have you ever com slash offered up a, a script to someone who interprets it differently than you would imagine but better than you would have thought yes 
Because yeah. that actually happened that that happened with the Midnight Sleuth because I wrote the script. I did not know who was going to play Midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, we sat down to record it, and I was kind of sitting there, and and Dan and I kind of both agreed because Dan Casey is the one who does the voice of Midnight Sleuth. And name dropping, name dropping, name dropping. Uh, just a bunch, I'll name a bunch of other people if you want me to. Uh, Christopher Walken, uh, Mark. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Joan uh, Cusack, Joan Cusack, Nathan Fillion, of course, always. Uh, he was in an episode. He may or may not have took me four days to find that audio clip. <laughs> no, so like what I did is like taking that episode, taking that script, and handing it off to technically handing it off to Dan to take the character. I had written it kind of middle of the line with some goofy comments and some goofy thoughts, but he took it. And his once he started reading it, like immediately in my head, I'm like, oh, well, obviously, yes, this is this is this is right. This is the correct way to go with the character. So the next time around, the second episode came around, and it's like, okay, I know what to write for now. At this point, I am writing it to fit his style because yeah. he took it in a way that I never, ever, ever thought Midnight was going to become. <laughs> and and his, I love it's his, good. And his relationship with Kim, or well, his wife. Oh yeah, his wife. She's, she's playing. Um, she plays Linda. Yes, which is Midnight. His midnight's uh, like assistant, kind of partner, lady friend, lady friend <laughs> whom you, uh, we have not addressed their relationship. Do yet. you find that Whoa, in a know, in a right? script that's very heavy on a like a a, a a familiar relationship like Midnight and Linda, like Francis and Danny, mm-hmm. um, from the from the writing standpoint, do you feel like okay, we better we have to get two people who can click? Yes. Because um, obviously, I needed these two characters to click as I wrote it. I'm like, man, the chemistry has to be right there too. But also, they need to be different people mm-hmm. because yeah. Danny and Francis are very different on the page. My worry in in handing it off to someone to produce was, will they like will they be able to create two very different characters from the actors that they choose from? Right, because I mean that could be a problem. Is that for those two characters? While well, in this play, while they're or script, while they are very different, you could get two people who try to play them the exact same, yeah. and it, it could easily become two of the exact same people. It could be Beavis yeah. and Butthead. That's it could be of, Beavis you know, and like Butthead. That, it could have easily played like, no, equally totally idiotic. Different. Well, that is well okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. The you're right. Of Beavis well, and <laughs> Exactly right. Yes, they're two different characters. Chad, one has blonde hair and one has brown hair. One's got one's got braces. The other one doesn't. Idiotic. Neither of them is smarter than the other. They just play off each other's dumbness. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's no there's no wit and cleverness, and you, I could see it being directed that way. Mm With this, where you just have two dissertation on the value of Beavis and Butthead. Well, here. I love it. I, I, Way to invalidate I, my entire. I skipped just as many college classes to watch Beavis and Butthead <laughs> as you did. Yes, uh, I was just uh, yes, doing it from a literary you know, perspective. To, but anyway, yeah. So anyway, I think it wrong. could easily have been done that way, and yeah. you would miss the charm yeah. of the difference of the characters. And that brings me to. Uh, Producer question. Before that, I would have asked, you know, let's say we inherited the script mm-hmm. and I'm handing it to a producer. I would say, tell me about the relationship of these characters. What do you think? Do they both live in this apartment? Do they both somehow manage to pay rent here? Or do they? is this grandma's apartment that they moved into and she sleeps 90% of the time? <laughs> Where are we? Who are they? Because that might help you influence who the characters are. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Obviously, they're going to have enough. They have enough money to afford it a Wii at some point. No, I mean they're there. It's there. Did it's, it's true. Francis does say his mom gave him forty dollars for food, and he bought it on junk food and beer. Yeah. And when the mom's screaming, Francis does say, "Dude, my mom's going to hear." <laughs> so it's very much so that they're living. They're basically almost Above leeching the off of Francis' mom's house. Shithole. Shithole. Garage. So one last thing I'd like to ask before, like before I wrap up here is what obstacles do you think there would be in trying to produce this? No. What would what would the true difficult what would what would the difficulties be in I, executing this? I'd say cinematography. Yeah. Because you don't leave the space, mm-hmm. so you would really have to shoot in a way that's compelling for eighteen pages. Mm-hmm. Which in TC time that would be probably about twelve minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good point. That's a good point because you could easily get. As a viewer, you could get even if the material's good and the acting's good, you could get bored by watching it because <laughs> yeah, because it, it would easily be one of three camera angles mm-hmm. the entire time. It's you know, a, it's it would this, be this and forward. Beavis and Butthead. It would be Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't put the music clips in there, yeah, it's pretty it's freaking just, boring yeah. to watch Beavis and Butthead. No, like Sorry, from, a, from a writer <laughs> from, from writer point, I will say you're gonna go cry. <laughs> I, I will say that the script has three parts to it. Sure. And mm-hmm. a, I would hope that a cinematographer and a director would interpret that as film these three segments as three with three different sets of camera angles. Don't use the same camera angle in part one, two, and three. You'd have to break it up between the three because the relationships change three points. And I, I mean, I think that would come into blocking as well. Like I wouldn't have them sitting in the same spot. Obviously, the mime's really not going to move that much, but especially when you have the breaks in time, that's a good way to move that's an easy way to move people to a different part of the room mm-hmm. um, just in general keeping the characters moving like they're very animated in the way they talk and especially when they're talking to each other like it shouldn't be that hard but it definitely would be a concern if you're just going to get like a first year college student DPing this for you it'd be camera so, A A, B, and C so that would come that would come down to the, the set design too because then you would have to try to have a, a good set that yeah. would have kind of dis- not, not just a corner like right you would almost have to have an entire room right you're not going to have a couch and a TV yeah and that's it. Like, that's all that you're going to have. You would have to have, like, you'd have a couch, but you'd have to have, some, like, space behind it. There could be, like, a table back there. Yeah. They're going to have that chair that the, 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 the so mind is sitting on. Set design on. blocking, that would be right. one of the main obstacles. Chris? I, I, would, I would encourage the DP to think about um, giving, before the mime starts talking, because it's quite a bit away. Yeah. And I would encourage the DP to play with a signature angle. For the mime, like mm-hmm. when you cut to the mime, it's something I don't know. Resident Evil, up, off, wide <laughs> angle, something different. That like, okay, there's life, there's life, there's life. Don't lose fight. This fact that they've kidnapped. Someone. Yeah, yeah. Normal, 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 normal. Weird. Yeah. That's, so that's a know. good point. Yeah, I, and I, I think that is correct. I think that the biggest obstacle in this is how do you make it interesting in one single location for this for 15 minutes? So you need to be a whip pan over for that reveal to the to the mime. Like well, I, yeah, I, that's that's a big scene. Like like it's it's revealed. all these guys, it's all these guys, like, and then you make the comment, and then it'd be like, but you see him on the way yeah, in. The way it's Francis written. goes right past. Yeah, him. he walks past. Oh, him. And that's I think right. that comi- could be a very comedic moment as well, where it's just like a tracking, like a a, a dolly, a, a sit. Or you would slider, have to make it as, you would have to make it as ad ADD as Francis is walking into that scene. So it's just like passing him, and it's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just, I visit, oh, this works great. But then or, if theoretically, just, though, you could shoot that from behind the mime. Mm-hmm. You just get like the tip top of the head. And you hear, <laughs> I mean, that could be a, something could going be a on. And then maybe cut away from him. And, Not as much of and, a reveal. <laughs> ignore him again. Like either way, you could see him that one time in the beginning. And then you cut away from him, and you don't see him again, and you almost make the audience forget, kind of forget what they. They should be like, "What, what the, the hell, hell was that?" that? Exactly. Or, was that a PA that got in that shot? Yeah. Or yeah, it's a one shot for the entire. Opening oh my god! With an over the shoulder, so you don't know if it's a if they kidnapped her, if it's a dude, if it's a guy, the dog. But they're like <laughs> moving, and like you can hear some rumbling, and yeah. you're, it's what two minutes mm-hmm. before it's even revealed. <laughs> like, I think that would look awesome. <laughs> and then the whip. Very Tarantino. <laughs> I also had an idea in my head, especially if you if we bought the script and nobody was tied to it, but mm-hmm. just like tiny little revision. It, it occurred to me, I'm like, what if you didn't acknowledge the mime until somebody offered him a beer? <laughs> and then you're like, oh. do you want a beer, mime? Uh, that would change the dynamic. Right, it's right. kind of like, what the heck? Hey, there's a clown on that. <laughs> hey, did you know there's a clown there? Yeah, yeah. I offered him a beer. He didn't take it. Well, you asshole. know, then you offered the clown a beer. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's not clown. It's, it's a mime. mime. Yeah. Uh, so any final thoughts on, on this script? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was good. Sorry. It was I'd like to read it again. Cool. Well, I, I have an idea for the sequel. What happens is, is that Danny is actually this head of a bank, oh, right? Good, and good. He, no, I'm not a mime. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for for <laughs> participating in this you know, inaugural episode of the Unproducible. Thank so. you for not making us wear pants. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you for not making us wear underwear. Yeah, the rule number one. Of, okay. Of all the firmament podcasts. Can I, don't I know take my blindfold yet. off yet? <laughs> not yet. Let's keep it on a little longer. <laughs> so uh, come back again next time for some more Unproducibles. Uh, we have. Who knows what it'll be next? The whole idea of this podcast is uh, to take scripts that we've always, that whoever's on the cast wanted to always produce in some capacity and never will have the chance. Um, that's the name of the, of the show. It may, may not always be comedy. And yeah. music play us out. <laughs> hey, I don't understand, though, unproducibles. I thought that was like getting rid of producers. It, it concerned me at <laughs> first that that's where you were. Off Hollywood you, wouldn't work without producers. you were going with that. Uh, what do you think was, we're doing next? But, <laughs> so, so I, Why is there two producers in this room? get to be saying all? This is not called me a producer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> well, then I will. This has been a joint production between Firmament Films and Ghost Hat Media. Find them both online at www.firmamentfilms.com and www.ghosthat.net.